You got the call. Welcome to the Big Leagues, kid. Man, sometimes that intro just hits different. I felt the music flowing through me today. Uh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the call-up presented by Triple Play Fantasy. We are here another week, another great set of minor league baseball games and players performing at just amazing levels. Uh, we're going to break it all down for you on tonight's show. Before we get started, we have a special guest that I would love for those on the podcast version to get the nice surprise to find out who that is in just a second. Uh, Mike, Vinny, how are we doing tonight? Doing good. I won't. I won't go into further details. But yeah, this is a guy we've uh, had on last year. It's been really nice to see his growth over the last year, just in in all facets. I'm really proud of him and happy to have him back here. How, how's it going, Vinny? It's doing good. You know, allergy season's killing me, so I sound a little weird. But you know, that's not going to stop me from digging into prospects. Man, Vinny was fighting the allergies last week and this week. Man, it's a grind over there. Uh, we got to get you some like Mucinex or something to uh, to help with those allergies, man. Yeah. Midwest is wild in the summer, let me tell you. <laughs> well, there is no transition to get to our special guest, but he is here. And this man, again, as Mike referenced, he was on our show last year. He is the co-creator uh, of the Scout the Stat Line. And I'm going to have him talk to us about that again uh, for those that are new listeners of this show he also is an analyst and project manager, also an editor for the Dynasty Guru. He also contributes to Prospect 1500. He's everywhere these days. It is Ross Jensen. How's it going, man? It's really good. I'm thrilled to be back. Uh, you know, I had a great time last time, so let's let's do it again. Heck yeah, man. For those, again, just like I mentioned, I remember you broke it down very well the first time you were on. We have a lot more listeners this year. So can you please tell us what exactly Scout the Stat Line is and where people can find it? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to break it down. Uh, so this is a project that started for me back. Its roots are back in 2019. I started writing for the Dynasty Guru, just had a passion for, you know, prospects and in, in particular, but, but fantasy baseball and just talking, talking about baseball with buddies. And so it was like, why don't, why don't I just try to take some of those skills and take them to the, you know, I don't know, to the dynasty guru, see if I can help out there. Well, I, I met up with Jordan Rosenblum there, really brilliant guy. Um, we, we just really saw eye to eye on a lot of different topics. He came up with some, some different interesting articles that I really liked and they, they really fit well with me. And it was on aging curves of prospects coming up. And then he built this interesting calculator where you could go in and plug in some numbers just in, in Excel and it would spit out an expected major league production. So there was the, the major, there was the aging curve side of it. And then he also did another series on major league equivalencies. That's where the calculator came in. So in talking with him and swapping ideas back and forth, I was like, why don't we just apply this to all the players and let people search for their player and then they can see what these guys look like. It kind of evolved over time as we talked about it. But that was kind of the 
origination of Scout the Stat Line. And eventually we, we ported it over to our own website just because we had all these leaderboards. We didn't know what to do with them. So we had a place to put them. And then we, we would spend time writing about them on the Dynasty Guru. So it's just kind of grown from there. And it's really expanded, especially over this last year. It's it's gone bonkers. So we've we've opened up a membership section to it where we're really providing daily updates to all those leaderboards. And it's just a, in my opinion, obviously biased, but it's a tremendous tool at helping spotlight underappreciated talent. So it's a great way to find prospects that are popping up. It's a little bit different than what you find with most formulated rankings as in these are, these are full projections. Um, you know, it's all rate based. So, so it's not, it's not like we're going to be able to tell you who's going to be healthy or anything like that, but we, we are given some really good information there. We're given daily player highlights of these guys that we're seeing that are popping up. So just a lot of really good stuff that we're trying to push out there and, and get out into the space. And, you know, we just want to be a part of the conversation. So that's really, that's Scout the Stat Line. You can find it at www.scoutthestatline.com. And then you can also find me on Twitter, Ross Jensen 12. We also have a Twitter handle there uh, for Scout the Stat Line, which is at uh, Statline Scout. That's it. And uh, I mean, again, if you want to not just be ahead of your league mates and trying to find these prospects starting to break out here, um, but also just want all the tools at your disposal, this just sounds like an amazing tool to be able to uh, to get ahead of your competition, be able to find these guys here early on uh, based on this curve. I, I definitely think it's um, I'm just looking at your guys. It's like Twitter page now. It, it seems like a really interesting tool to be able to use. So uh, make sure everybody listening, uh, watching, make sure you guys check that out. Uh, but let's get into the show here. Let's start talking about our week six call-up guys and starting off with players of the week. Kicking things off here, Ross, with Junior Caminero of the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays have a lot of players on this show every single week. Rightfully so, they develop their prospects very well. He's 19 years of age and high A-ball. 124 plate appearances on the season. He's got a 372 batting average with nine home runs already on the season. The K rate being just under 22%, terrific. Uh, and the 6.7 grade speed here. Talk to us a little bit about Junior Caminero and uh, Caminero and um, kind of what his ceiling could be here. All right. So this is the big breakout of 2023 so far, in my opinion. Junior Caminero. Uh, he's somebody, and, and this is to spotlight the strength of Scout the Stat Line, because we, we over this offseason, we were really highlighting this guy as a, as a huge potential breakout. And it looks like it's playing out exactly as we expected. I was just on the Rotowire podcast last week, and James Anderson on that podcast said he was debating between Jackson Holiday and Junior Caminero over which he thought would be the number one prospect in baseball. Wow. Yeah, so we're talking about a huge breakout here, and he was saying the difference for him would be in format. Uh, OBP would be Jackson Holiday, average would be Junior Caminero. So just massive numbers so far on the season, and this is coming. So I had tweeted something out about Junior Caminero, and I was like, "The breakout's happening." Here it is, and and somebody had responded on there, and I want to mention this because I I, I thought this was actually a really great comment. They said the breakout's already happened. 
And they were talking about last year. And I think that that's true because we saw it kind of coming. And that's why we were highlighting this guy as, as somebody to really move up. But the difference I think that I was getting at is you weren't seeing this guy on many top 100 lists at the time. And now he's arguably the number one prospect. So for me, that's the movement that I'm looking for when I'm talking about a breakout. And I think we're seeing it. So he's just one of those guys with really easy power and a very high contact rate. You can see that with the strikeout rate under 22%. And, you know, earlier in his career, it was even lower than that. So that's, that's a little elevated for what we were seeing last year. But after, after his season last year, he went and played in the Australian baseball league and he's playing against men that are eight years older than him in that league. And he was crushing it there too. So there was a lot of telltale signs that Junior Caminero was going to have a huge breakout, and it's happening. It's here. So for me, he's probably a top five prospect already. And it's crazy, too. I mean, obviously, it's only one source, but MLB.com prospects have him as the number 60 prospect. So, again, this is a chance to kind of get above what people might search or the consensus. And it sounds like there's a good chance he could rise up the ranks in a big way. Um, once I'm sure rankings adjust. So uh, Junior Caminero, and he's at a position, obviously wanders entrenched at shortstop in Tampa, but you know they could plug him at third base, and um, sounds like he's definitely, that left side of the infield could be nasty for them uh, down the road here. Um, Vinny, I want to get to your guy next, because uh, this is your guy, and I, I feel like I should put on like some love music or something. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, that's not, it's not love, but... It's nice and soft for you, like just like your love for Jefferson <laughs> Cuero. Uh, Jefferson Cuero, the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Vinny's guy. It's on his Twitter page. He's a stan. Over the past week, 13 plate appearances. He's got a 462 batting average with a 1231 OBP and a 1660 slug. I didn't even know they had numbers that high. Uh, six home runs. <laughs> Holy moly. Six home runs on the week. Uh, I believe at least six RBI, but uh, overall in the season at double a 296 batting average, very respectable 556 OBP. And he's got 14 RBIs. Uh, Vinny, the floor is yours to talk about your guy here. Well, my first ever show on the triple play fantasy called the call up was the big player. I talked about was Jefferson Cuero going into last year's Arizona fall league. And at the during that, I did state that I think we are right on the cusp of him breaking out into that Francisco Alvarez, that Gabriel, you know, the uh, I can't think of his name now, the Diamondbacks catcher. Okay, um, Gabriel Moreno. Gabriel Moreno. I, he's breaking into that kind of hype, and we're starting to see it now. I did have Quare on the show two weeks ago because he was doing so good. This week, he has doubled all those numbers and are putting up video game numbers. Remember, Cuero is 20 years old at AA. Uh, there's rumors today or uh, surfacing that, you know, the Brewers are very skeptical with their catcher right now between uh, Victor Carantini and uh, Willem Contreras. So I'm going to say it here. We could potentially, I, I know someone just asked me this on Twitter, if we could see him this year. And I said, no, but now that this story's coming out and that there's, you know, 
there's a, a dark cloud looming in Milwaukee. I think we might be able to see him this year. Mm. I just don't know how quickly. I don't know if they do get very aggressive and jump him straight to the majors from double A. It wouldn't surprise me because they were very aggressive with him earlier in the year by giving him a non-roster invite to spring training, and he performed very well there too. So the track record and the performance, it holds up. But so far this season, we're only 87 plate appearances. He's already uh, four home home runs away from tying his most he's had in a season. He has nearly a 400 WOBA. His WRC plus, plus is at his highest so far. The Babbitt looks very good, too. He's not striking out that much. We're looking at, you know, almost his lowest strikeout rate. He just doesn't walk, which I've stated before. I really don't care if he walks because he can just hit the baseball anywhere and as hard as he can. But I think we're starting to see this whole entire uh, Brewers organization, I think, do a big 180 because a little hint here later in the show, I'm talking about another Brewers prospect that could potentially break out even bigger than this than Jefferson Cuero. But yeah, I'm I'm he's my guy. I am the conductor of the Jefferson Cuero <clears throat> hype train, and I'm telling you guys, if you can't if you can go get him right now in Dynasty, go do it. It's gonna pay off. He's gonna destroy the NL central for many, many years to come, <laughs> man, it is his guy. And, and again, looking at the major league roster, William Contreras is the starting catcher right now. Victor Carantini is the backup catcher. And we know William Contreras can move around as he showed when he was in Atlanta. Um, so you would expect that if he's hitting, there's not like necessarily someone blocking him per se at the major league level. So, um, very much. So, uh, I'm excited. And, and Vinny, I definitely could see him de- debuting this year. So, we will definitely keep an eye on Jefferson Cuero. Uh, let's go and talk about Jackson Holiday, who the number two pick in this past draft and looked really good for the Baltimore Orioles. Right now, between A and high A, 137 plate appearances. He's got a 367 batting average, 496 OBP, and 642 slug. Five home runs, nine stolen bases, a 276 ISO. With a walk rate over his uh, walk rate better than his K rate right now, Mike, he seems to be adjusting really, really well, and he could be a big piece of what's going to be an amazing young Orioles team in the near future. Here, yeah, I realized we're six weeks into the show and haven't brought up Jackson Holiday yet, so it seemed like a good time to discuss him. You know, sometimes it's almost harder to talk about players that are already getting a bunch of publicity, but we also can't ignore him. So the Welsh said last week when he was on our show that he was his number three prospect. I saw Ross just earlier today say he's his clear number one. And I think we can all agree he looks phenomenal, like regardless of the number by his name. So like, let's break him down here. He's got a plus hit tool, plus power and plus speed. You know, I mentioned during our first year player draft show that scouts were torn on whether he had plus speed or average speed. And early indications suggest he does have plus speed with the nine steals, 8.6 speed grade, or it was 8.6 it's 7.8, but, uh, Going back to the draft, like he helped his stock more than any other prospect leading up to it. As most people know, his father's former big leaguer, Matt Holiday, and I always like that pro pedigree. He grew up around the game, got to experience things the average kid doesn't. So he's just they're just usually more advanced. Uh, he's he's added noticeable muscle over the last year and has home run pop to all fields. Holiday also has the ability to barrel balls into the opposite field gap. So he profiles as a five tool player 
who projects to stick at shortstop. You know, I think Holiday has passed every test with flying colors since debuting. I generally try to be like cautious to say anything outlandish about young players that haven't played in double eight, double A yet, but I can't seem to find a weakness in his game at the stage. He seems to possess every element I look for in like a high floor, high ceiling player. I do tend to lean towards proximity with prospects. So I can't argue with anyone who has like Jordan Walker or Ellie De La Cruz as the top prospect today. But once they clear the list, I can't really see a player with a better case to be number one overall. I mean, he's going to be quite costly in trades at this point, but I would pay up for holiday, particularly if you're in the midst of a rebuilding and whatever, whatever you end up paying will look good down the road. As long as you don't get too carried away. I think he's on track to debut next season as a 20 year old. He looks like legitimate superstar potential and I don't say that lightly. So only Caminero has been in his ballpark for teenagers this year, but he doesn't possess the same level of speed. So Holiday looks like the future number one prospect to me. It's interesting. I think during the draft, people were kind of questioning the Orioles going with Holiday over Drew Jones. Does it is it now kind of a consensus for most people in the prospect community that Jackson Holiday is the better prospect than Drew Jones, or is it still too early to tell? Uh, for me, I mean, I, I think people are pretty quick to react to things. So I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who would put Drew Jones ahead of Jackson Holiday at this point. Okay, fair enough. Let's talk about some pitchers then. Let's go to our first player, and Emmett Sheehan of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Right now, 23 years of age in Double A. He's got six games. He's started in this year, 29 innings, 48 strikeouts to a 2.17 ERA, and you'll love seeing that .90 WHIP. Uh, so. Ross, a Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher that I feel like is a little bit more under the radar. He's not a Gavin Stone. He's not a Bobby Miller. Uh, he's not any of these guys that I think most people see coming across their Twitter timeline. So could Emmett Sheehan uh, be making an impact uh, potentially for rosters this season or beyond? I think so. I would. I don't know that I would say for this season, but in seasons beyond, I think that the, there's definitely that, that possibility that he's going to make a pretty strong impact. This is another guy that we talked about, me and James Anderson on the podcast for Rotowire last week. And he was saying he was thinking about going full send on Sheehan, too. So we were just kind of vibing on some of these guys. But he has unbelievable stuff. He throws four pitches. And I, I just want to touch on these briefly. He's got a fastball that touches the upper 90s, 99, with really good ride. He's got a changeup that has apparently some really good horizontal break. And then a slider and kind of a developing curveball. One thing that has been sort of a knock on him coming up, because you can see the numbers, they are pretty unreal. One area of weakness or one area of concern has been in his walk rate. Uh, there have been a little there have been some concerns that he might end up as like a reliever as a result of those control issues, but he's really cleaned that up this year. I think he was walking about five and a half batters per nine last year. He's down to four this year. It's still probably a touch high, but he can miss bats like no other. I think that's, that's exhibited by his strikeout rate, his whip, which is under 0.9. So even with, even with a little bit of control issues still in there, I mean, unbelievable results. So I think he's got potential He's got frontline potential in my mind, and he's checking in at Scout the Stat Line as our number eight pitching prospect right now. Mm. 
Oh, wow. So you have him, I'm assuming, ranked higher than all of the other Dodger prospects that are in AAA in terms of their pitching prospects over Stone, over Bobby Miller, over um, there are a couple other ones I know that have been talked about. So is he he's your number one Dodgers pitching prospect? I'd have to double check for the the scout the stat line ranks. They had they have Stone really high too, so he might he might still be higher than Sheehan, but it's got to be getting pretty close at this point. And Robbie and Ryan Pepio still I'm assuming as well. Yeah, and he'd be a he'd be ahead of Pepio. That's for sure. I think Stone is maybe the only pitching prospect he'd fall behind. I was going to say you can. I think this is the kind of guy who, like a year from now, is going to be viewed like a Stone in a, a Miller. Like he has that sort of potential. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Keep an eye on Emmett Sheehan. Vinny Parker Messick of the Cleveland Guardians, a lefty, another pitching prospect for the pitching rich Guardians has gone uh, over five innings this past week with a 1-8-0 ERA, 7 Ks. On the season, 29 innings pitched, 124 ERA, 0.97 whip. And uh, again, a lot of the strikeout rate, very good, 39.9% K rate. Walk rate, very minuscule right now at under 5%. Uh, he's doing everything right right now. Uh, and I feel like many people haven't heard of this kid, so tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, I remember watching Messick uh, during the 2021 college season when uh, he was still pitching for the Seminoles. Like, he was a monster. Like, he does not have the velocity. Like, if you look at the strikeout rates and then actually see what he tops out velocity-wise, you would not imagine that he would have a nearly 30% K rate. But his changeup is so – it's just so fascinating because – not only does it have like drop wipeout stuff, but it tumbles too. Like it is a masterpiece of a pitch. Like when I watch him pitch and like look at his whole entire arsenal and just compare him to other players, like he reminds me a lot of Chris Bubich coming out of the 2018 draft. They almost got drafted in the similar spot. Uh, uh, Messick fell to the uh, the second round, but uh, Bubich was a compensation balance pick. But yeah. That pitch and, you know, putting him in a very rich pitching development system like the Guardians, like it would not surprise me if we start seeing, you know, his curveball look a little better, his slider, you know, get a little bit more, you know, wipe to it. Like he's one of those pitchers that I think, you know, everyone came to the conclusion like, oh, he doesn't have velocity. He just has one good pitch. And I think everyone forgot about him. And then now he's coming out. You know, he is pitching in low A. He's 22, you know, pitching in low A. So, you know, you got to take those numbers with a grain of salt. They're probably, you know, it'll probably level itself out once he gets promoted to uh, uh, high A. But like I said, he has a scary arsenal potential with that changeup and just his absolute deceptive arm. Uh, his He's just very deceptive with hiding the ball, and that also helps him very well. But like I said, him with the Guardians, it would not surprise me if he starts, you know, putting it all together and starts shooting up some lists. Because if we're talking about a pitcher from last year's draft that wasn't drafted in the first round that has some pretty high upside, I think Messick's one of few names. And it's crazy, too, because the Guardians, Gavin Williams, Tanner Bybee, Daniel Espino, who unfortunately has had tons of injury problems, even Logan Allen, who's debuted this year as well. Like they have so much pitching 
uh, and the fact that he's kind of buried as much as he is right now, not just among the ranks, but just I think among, it seems like just the community itself. Sounds like this is an amazing time to go trade for him right now. Yeah, and we've seen this before. We have seen the Cleveland Guardians take a pitcher with no future and turn him into a star. Like, that organization is a absolute wonder. So, yeah, I suggest at least keeping tabs on him until he makes his high A debut, which I would guess is very soon. But, yeah, uh, Messick might be a guy to start stashing. All right, go get Messick right now. In your fantasy leagues, it sounds like this is about the last chance you can get him for probably will be a cheaper price than it will be down the road. All right, going from Parker Messick to AJ Smith uh, Shaver. Wow, what a name. Right-handed pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. He's going to cross three levels this year alone, uh, and he's only 20 years of age, so he's right now in AAA. Five games, 21 innings pitched, 32 strikeouts. Uh, he's got a zero ERA, two and zero record, 0.86 WHIP, K rate again, very fantastic, just under forty percent. Walk rate very much in check, eight point six percent walk rate. Um, let's, Mike. Um, the Atlanta Braves need pitching. We don't know when Max Fried is coming back. Uh, I would love for Mike Soroka to eventually pitch again, but we don't in the big leagues. We don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, Jared Schuster has been a failed experiment. Uh, so there is chances for him to potentially break into that rotation. Can you, do you think there's a lot of upside here with AJ Smith Shaver? Yeah. Full disclosure. This was kind of when I was working on redraft stuff, mostly last year, this was one of the guys who kind of slipped to my radar, but I, I just, he's fully got my attention right now because of you know, all the stuff you mentioned being pushed up three levels in 21 innings up to triple A as a, as a 20 year old. But Looking back at the scouting grades, he's he was a seventh round pick in 2021. The Braves paid over the slot bonus to sign him almost a million dollars. According to fan graphs here, he's got a plus fastball, plus slider, average curveball, average change with above average command. Now, he has one of the best fastball slider combos in the minors. His fastball touches the upper 90s with elite movement. His slider misses a ton of bats. His changeup remains a work in progress, but he's got plus athleticism. So the key is using that to maintain a, a repeatable delivery. Uh, coming into the season, he needed to improve his command, and he's showing that obviously so far this year. And he needed to be more consistent with his delivery. He walked. He had a 13% walk rate last year and a 135 whip in 2021. So this isn't necessarily a guy that I thought the Braves would be this aggressive with this quickly but it really shows you how intrigued the organization is to be doing this, to be pushing up a 20 year old, to triple a, because I spoke about Christian mania a couple weeks ago, I think praising his age versus level, particularly for a pitcher Smith Shavers in the same age and has been pushed up to triple a. So not only that, but he's on in or he's in an organization that we target for fantasy. So I think, I think this is the Braves top pitching prospect at the moment. And We've also seen how effective some pitchers can be with a lethal fastball slider combo. Even if he's not able to use the changeup often, his two plus pitches should carry him. So we, he should be a big riser on the pitching side once prospect lists start coming out, especially after getting bumped up to AAA here. Um, I'd highly recommend stashing him in dynasty leagues. And, you know, like you mentioned, the Braves have had injuries and on the pitching side, you know, getting pushed three through three levels this quickly is certainly worth taking notice of. And I mean, worst case, we're looking at a 21 year old debuting next season with a couple electric pitches at his disposal 
and a good lineup supporting him. So I'm high on this kid. Do you think his innings could potentially be a problem or like the fact he started five games and was only pitched 21 innings? Do you think they let him go long enough and starts to be more than just a potential streamer? Uh, that those would be my two things looking at him already. Is that something that you that fantasy owners shouldn't be too concerned about? That yeah, I don't think that's going to be a concern long term this season. I mean, I'm very skeptical with pitchers, with especially young pitchers in redraft. So I wouldn't expect a whole lot from him. I'm not even sure that he makes it up to the majors this year. But I'm saying worst case scenario, you have a 21 year old on the Braves next year with some electric stuff, and at that point. He's going to be someone people are really interested in. All right. AJ Smith Shaver is the name to keep an eye on there. Let's talk about some notable promotions since our last show. Uh, a little bit lighter this week with the promotions. Headlined by Matt McClain of the Cincinnati Reds. Has about three games in the majors. Got, uh, I think, one or two RBIs. But uh, he's Welsh was on last week talking about him. He's going to be one of those uh, amazing infield prospects for them. Talked about CES. We talked about uh, Ellie De La Cruz. I see if India is still there. They've got quite uh, a foursome in that infield, not even including Noel V. Marte. So he's kind of the first wave here of the Colps for them. Matthew Libertor of the St. Louis Cardinals. Apparently, velocity is up a little bit. I believe he pitched today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I didn't see how he pitched, but I, if I, I remember hearing his velocity was up. I'll have to double check on that. Mark Vientos slugger for the New York Mets. They need some offense. So he is going to be plugged in right now. I believe he is. They're going to be their DH sharing with Daniel Vogelbach and Brandon Williamson of the Cincinnati Reds, the lefty, uh, their rotation needs help with Nick Lodolo going down. And it appears to be for now even longer than expected. So we'll keep an eye on Brandon Williamson as well. All right. Next section of the show, we're talking about our prospect watch. These are usually players that we're looking at in the lower minor leagues that maybe aren't talked about too, too much yet. And Ross, Ryan Clifford, the outfielder first base prospect for the Houston Astros right now in high A, 19 years of age, 147 plate appearances on the year, just under 300 batting average. He's got three homers and four steals with a 19% walk rate. Uh, Houston Astros, we love the team that they've built at the major league level. And they've got some young guns like Ryan Clifford on the way here. Yeah. So I, I sort of blew this assignment because I, I think Mike had said, you know, somebody that's in single a, but I missed that he got promoted to high a. So he's now in high a and this, this bears a little explanation because he was really crushing it in single a. And in fact, he was hitting 367 with a 488. OBP and a 457 slugging percentage. The home runs weren't quite there, but he's got the power. And I think that they'll show up since his promotion. He's, he's struggled a little bit. And I think he was slumping just as he was going into that at about the same time. So the timing couldn't have been much worse for him, but his number numbers have come back down to uh, back down to reality since then he did hit a home run yesterday. So he, he might be, on the upswing at least coming out of it. But what I really like about him is, is he's just a hitter. He's a complete hitter. He's one of those guys that gets on base. If you're in an OBP league, this guy should be at your attention immediately because he's going to put up really big OBP numbers. And I think the power is going to show up. He came in with a lot of pedigree when he, when he came in, even though he was drafted in the 11th round and there was some kind of 
shenanigans going on there with with the Astros. I'm not exactly sure what what was going on in the background, but he was picked in the 11th round despite being somebody that was expected to go much higher, and that pulled him away from a commitment from Vanderbilt. So so just some interesting movements, but he is already number 30 on our hitter leaderboards, and I think he's going to be a really, really good player when he comes up. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see him. Um, any idea when you think he could de- debut, Ross? Are we thinking like 2025 or uh, if you had to guess? If I had to guess, I, I think 2025, maybe later in the season. Mm-hmm. He's still a little ways off. He's still just 19 years old. So I think 2025 puts him at 21. That might even be a little bit early. But I could see it happening near the tail end of the season as long as he continues to hit. He's got to get high A figured out first, though. All right, Ryan Clifford. Our last player for this section, Tyler Locklear of the state of the Seattle Mariners, plays corner infield, first and third base, 22 years of age in high A. He's got a 310, 403, 563 slash line with seven home runs, 25 RBIs already on the season, a 254 ISO here. Vinny, I'm assuming this is your guy uh, for the Seattle Mariners. Um, so if you want to tell us a little bit about him and what we can expect from him going forward. Actually, this is my guy. Uh, we had the graphics out of order. So I, I popped Vinny's guy below Locklear. So I'll talk about him first. Uh, okay. So before I get started on Locklear, I want to give a shout out to our buddy, Chris Clegg, who I'm hoping we can get back on the show this season. He's been talking up Tyler Locklear since the draft process. And I, I kept seeing him taking him in every draft. You know, being a Mariners fan, it obviously piqued my interest. By the time FYPDs had rolled around, I felt very comfortable saying he was underrated. Even if you just look at the scouting grades, he didn't he didn't seem to get the kind of respect he deserved relative to someone like a Jacob Berry or Brooks Lee, for example. I mean, he was basically an afterthought being drafted in the fourth or fifth round in deeper leagues. So uh, all that being said, you know, looking at the scouting grades, he's got a plus hit tool with plus power and 30 grade speed. So obviously I don't expect he'll be a major stolen base threat, even though he's got four this year. Uh, but the hit tool and power combination should be enough to have good value at corner infield spot. Uh, as an advanced college bat, I'd like to see this translate up to double A, but he's been productive throughout his career so far in the lower levels. Uh, he projects as a below average defender at third base, so he could end up at first base long-term, but he should be a decent defender there if he were to make that move in and I do think the bat would translate to first base if it needs to. Uh, so to bring it back around, like, you know, I saw Clegg tweet out today that Locklear is the next Manzardo in Pasquantino. And I'm not confident enough to say that, but Clegg knows his stuff and he's not one to overhype players for attention. So, you know, that should give you an indication of the type of talent his biggest supporters see in his future. And he's probably still available in a lot of leagues. You won't get the speed, but he looks like a legit four category type player being developed in a good system. And I think he's definitely got the potential to be a middle of the order type bat for the Mariners if it all comes together. So I wanted to bring him up today. Uh, I, I, I like this kid. And Chris, if you want to hear more about him, talk to Chris Clegg because he loves him. Tyler Locklear. All right. I mean, those are some pretty uh, hefty comps, but if he can reach that sin, that'd be a very useful fantasy player. Somebody that gets on base a lot, has some power. Uh, that definitely is an intriguing profile to keep an eye on there. Uh, but that is Tyler Locklear. Let's go to the last player in this section, which uh, Vinny, I will let you take it away. I don't know if it's just my computer. Where I can't find the graphic, but if you have it and want to pop it on the screen or just mention the player and we'll uh, there. Yeah. I don't know why it's not on my screen here. I, my computer must be failing. Yeah. Same thing on mine. It didn't pop up at first either. 
<clears throat> but no, Luis Lara of the Brewers. He is a very, very sneaky name right now. The only people that have really been talking about it that I've seen, where I found out about him was Baseball America. They were posting some of his DSL footage last year. And, you know, there was little buzz that they said, you know, he's one of these guys that could potentially be the next, you know, Jackson Churio and absolutely blow up boards. Now we are in 2023. We're in 2023 to start the year. Luis Lara skipped the complex league and he was assigned directly to low a Carolina. So far in his 57 plate appearances, Luis Lara is sitting at a 295 average, you know, a 386 slug and a, you know, 439 OPS. Remember the kid is 18 years old and he just turned 18 a few months ago. He, right now, he has a 17.5% walk rate to an 8.8% strike rate. The kid is a switch hitter, which I think has the potential to have 55 hit from both sides of the plate. It's still very early to tell about the power, but he is showing signs of it. He has one home run. He has a couple extra base hits some doubles. But right now, we're looking at a 308 BABIP and of over 400 WOBA and a 140-plus WRC+. plus. You know, the kid's going to get knocked probably for the rest of his, you know, career for being a sub six foot outfielder. But let me tell you, from the footage I saw from last year in the DSL to, you know, footage from last week, he looks like he has gained some weight. He's probably standing somewhere, you know, 5'8, 170, 180, maybe pushing 200 pounds. But let me tell you, if we're talking about something looking very similar to how Jackson Churio rose to prominence last year, he's following the footsteps pretty close, minus the power. And there's, if we're watching him right now, I can pretty much say he will have at least plus speed. Like, even if he does fill out his frame, I think he's going to keep his speed. He just doesn't look like he's going to lose a step, which put him in that outfield center field with plus speed and above average arm. Like we're looking at another kid that next year could be, you know, inside top 100s, potentially a top 50 prospect, you know, one of those hyped kids like a junior Camonero or, you know, a Jefferson court or a, a, a Jackson Churio. Like the Brewers system right now is one to really watch because they are really doing good at finding these little, not known commodities and turning them into superstars. Well, it bears mentioning that last year around this time, early May, Jackson Chory only had one home run too. And we yeah. know how that turned out. So, yeah. Like if we're talking about history repeating itself, it's looking very scary because it is almost identical. Mm. All right. Luis Lara of the Milwaukee Brewers. And this was somebody that you teased earlier on in the show, Vinny. So you definitely must have a good feeling about him, and we will keep an eye on him. Let's go to our last segment of the night, the who's next players that are next for the call-up. And he was just mentioned a couple minutes ago, Ross, Kyle Manzardo of the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays, uh, they, they have an amazing offense. They're the best team in baseball record-wise right now, and he could be a big piece coming uh, along the way here. All right, so I got something to say about this guy. <laughs> every year, every year since we started in 2019, Scout the Statline has had a few players that have been really like our big hits, right? And last year, among 
one of our big hits was Kyle Manzardo, and we've taken to calling him the Manzalorian. We love <laughs> this guy. We started touting him early May last year. I don't think there was a lot of people really talking about Manzardo at that time, but he has just been a hitting machine. And he was a hitting machine in college, and he carried that through last year, and he's doing more of it this year. The average is a little down compared to last year, but he's in AAA. He's knocking on the door. He's still hitting 276 with a 553 slugging percentage, as you can see on the graphic up there. He's just an offensive machine. Similar to Locklear, I mean, he's not going to get you any stolen bases, so throw that out the window. But he has the type of profile that I think will play really well in the major leagues. The one concern you have here is it's the Rays, and they like to move their guys around. Kyle Manzardo is a first baseman. He's not playing any other positions except for maybe DH. So that that might be one area of concern there. In fact, in the past, they've traded some guys that they had coming up, like a Nate Lowe, that were limited to one bit, one position. So we'll see how they handle him. I think his bat is going to be good enough that they're going to they're going to play him. But they've got a lot of talent there in the infield too. So we'll see how they juggle it. Now, Kyle Manzardo, when he does debut, do you get a sense, Ross, that he would be somebody that they would just plug right away into the middle of their lineup? Or do you feel like the Rays are the type of organization that are going to make him kind of earn his way to get to that point? Because you got Randy Arozarena there. Josh Lowe's been hitting the ball well, but they're not playing him every day. Uh, I get a sense that they don't have too much of the the guys in the middle of the order that are, are packing that power. Now, obviously, like, you know, people like Isak Paredes or Harold Ramirez, they're starting to hit more home runs, but they're not a legit power threat. Could he be that guy in the best case scenario that they're putting at the four hole right behind Randy Arozarena and give you a ton of counting stats? Long term, I would say yes, but right away, no, I don't think they're going to plug him in the, the cleanup spot. They just have too many talented hitters to, mm-hmm. to give him that right away. But I think he'll get there eventually. He'll hit his way into that spot. All right, Kyle Manzardo, someone that might go for a lot of fab in a few weeks. So maybe this might be the time to go get him right now. The history of this show, a lot of times when we have this segment, at least one of the guys have been called up by our next show. So this might be the time to get Kyle Manzardo before it gets way too expensive. Justin Henry Malloy, our next player of the Detroit Tigers, formerly of the Atlanta Braves, brought over in the offseason in a trade. He plays outfield and third base for the Tigers. In AAA this year, he's got a 321 batting average, seven home runs, really seeing the ball well. And I know he was making the transition to the outfield. So um, he's kind of been able to adjust to his new position very well here, Vinny. And um, somebody that Tigers need offense, maybe he can bring it to him. Yeah, Malloy really broke out last year for the Braves. And I remember going into the Arizona Fall League, I wrote up a whole entire article about, you know, players that are like one step away from the majors. And it was like Henry Malloy, it was Jorbit Vivas, and Colton Gordon. Malloy did phenomenal last year at the Fall League, so well that the Detroit Tigers wanted to bring them into their organization. And I think he fits Detroit very well. Like if we're looking at projecting that outfield, like him and Riley Green in that outfield, I think his bat, his bat's going to bring a special uh, contact to the, uh, just to the whole entire organization. But like, he could play third base too. Like he has dual position eligibility. He could easily 
be a corner outfielder and then play third base. Like, I know he's probably not going to play third base because of Colt Keith and him being absolutely, you know, astonishing right now in double A. But yeah, I don't think it really hurts for them to bring him up. He's, you know, very contact oriented. I think he has sneakier power than, you know, scouting grades give him. His arm, you know, is he doesn't have a killer arm, but it's serviceable and he's very solid defensively. Like he's one of those guys that I would pick up in redraft because I don't think it's a matter of uh or I think it's just a matter of time before he gets the call. Like I think we're it's it's any day now because you're putting up a plus three hundred average in AAA. It's just you know, you're you're too good for the level. It's time to get a bigger challenge. All right, Justin Henry Malloy. He's be somebody to keep an eye on in your leagues, redraft, dynasty, everything. Make sure you keep uh watch him. Jordan Westbrook of the Baltimore Orioles, our last player of the night. Somebody that people talk about Colton Kowser, uh, but Jordan Westbrook could be the next player for them that are going to be on the major league roster in AAA right now. 24 years of age, a 326 batting average, 11 homers, and 40 RBIs and 152 plate appearances. That's absolutely bonkers. A 311 ISO, 10.5% walk rate. Mike, he seems like he's ready. Uh, this might be my guess that he gets the call before next week's show. Those numbers are astounding. Yeah, I, I do. I do say this seemingly every week, but it's it's getting more and more difficult to predict who might make their debut. Like we we had a couple players we talked about on the show this season get the call last this last week, but it's never easy predicting the exact moment unless you have insider information. But I decided to go with Jordan Westberg this week since he's been arguably the most productive player in AAA that we haven't mentioned this season. Now, when I'm looking at his scouting grades, he's listed with a below average hit tool, and I I think that's too harsh. I think he at least has an average hit tool. Uh, he also has above average power with average speed. So average to above average tools across the board. He doesn't have any tool that's considered plus, which probably limits his ceiling. He does show a strong ability to lift the ball in the air and, and pull the ball. So his power plays up in games. You know, I think he hit 27 home runs last year. So he definitely has some pop to his bat. That's probably his best tool. Uh, defensively, he's played third base, shortstop, second base, and outfield this season. So the organization is definitely keeping their flexibility and options open. Since since he already got time in AAA last season, he doesn't have much time much to left to prove in the minors. As you mentioned, those stats those stand out even compared to some players who who got called up recently. So it looks like he's the next infielder up if an injury strikes. But it's getting harder to crack the Orioles, you know, because they've already upgraded some of their spots with younger players. Uh, I've read from multiple sources that the Orioles are are high on him, probably more so than mo the other organizations. So he's definitely in their future plans. Um, overall, I think Westberg isn't the most exciting prospect in the minor leagues, but his combination of proximity, production, and ability to play all over the infield gives him multiple ways to get into the lineup. And if he's able to crack the Orioles as an everyday player, he should be able to produce like the counting sets that'll play in fantasy. Otherwise, he'll probably end up in a super utility role, playing semi-regularly. And either way, I don't think we'll have to wait years to find out since he's already 24 and shouldn't take long to transition to the majors. So uh, keep an eye on Jordan Westbrook in the coming weeks. I think he's up when they have an, an opening. All right. Jordan Westbrook, our last player of the night. And uh, somebody that should be another young piece of the Baltimore Orioles. That's going to wrap us up here for tonight. Ross, thanks so much for joining the show and, and uh, going through all these guys with us. Please, again, plug your Twitter handle, plug your work, plug anything you would like our audience to know on the way out. 
Well, hey, I'm here learning from you guys because you guys have a great production here. But check out what we're doing at Scout the, Scout the Stat Line. Uh, we've got a lot of great leaderboards. We also have a podcast there. We're, we're trying to get better, so hence me learning from you guys the best. Um, so the, the website is scoutthestatline.com. Check it out. We've got articles there. We've got, we've got a, a crew of people that are contributing articles, and we're pumping out stuff almost on a daily basis. We've got daily updates for our, our members. If you're not a member and you don't want to join, you think it, it's not worth it, that's okay, too, because we have free stuff. It just doesn't get updated quite as often. Check it out. Um, and then me, Ross Jensen 12, at Ross Jensen 12, if you want to find me on Twitter, Scout the Statlines Twitter, where we're always breaking some good prospect info, is at Statline Scout. So we got them reversed there. But check it out and yeah, connect with me. Let's talk baseball. That's what I love to do. Ah, I love it. Ross is a great follow, prospect, baseball, anything you want. And all the work that he's doing with the Dynasty Guru is incredible. Uh, make sure you follow him at Ross Jensen12 on Twitter. And Mike and Vinny, too. Make sure Vinny's at Down on the Farm 8 and Mike is at MP Richards 1981. Again, you guys are killing it every single week. Uh, the viewers, you guys are always commenting good stuff. These guys are answering your questions about prospects. And you even came up with a fun nickname for Vinny, the time traveler. Uh, so we appreciate all your guys' feedback every week. And the show is really uh, been fun to record for you guys. So thank you guys for the feedback. But for Ross, for Vinny, for Mike, I'm David. We'll catch you guys next week on the call-up.